magnificent morning, folks. It's Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Her is an acronym for heroic, empowering, and resilient. And we are a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. The main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversities. Each of us has a story. We have all had a season in our life in which we were afraid. We hit a rough patch or downward spiral. Maybe it was an illness, financial burdens, a dead-end job, just unforeseen circumstances, and we may have felt isolated or alone. But because you may have felt like you reached rock bottom, that doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers that you are facing, but they didn't give up. In fact, they use their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you. You are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient. And happy hump day and welcome to episode six. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. And if you have been a listener from the beginning, from the past few weeks, I would like to personally thank you for your support. Now let's move into this week's episode deeps. I'm excited because I have with me today, Rachel Sadbaron, who is the founder of I Am Enough organization. I Am Enough is an organization geared towards empowering young women to overcome their insecurities by providing resources to help them build their self-esteem, grow their confidence, and know that they are enough through Jesus Christ. So shout out to Rachel and your organization. I'm also excited because we share a similar goal and purpose, and it's important that we as women create these types of organizations to help and empower each other. It is also very important that we know that we are enough. We must be confident within ourselves to know who we are without the gratification of others. So Rachel, welcome. Thank you for having me. Most definitely. I want you to give this time to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Okay. Um, well, originally I'm from Dallas, Texas, and uh, my story began probably at the age of 14 or uh, when my dad, uh, he accepted his calling to be um, a pastor. And, um, you know, that should be an exciting time. And, right. you know, I grew up in, you know, upper middle class family. Uh, and so we, you know, I'm, and I'm an only child. So, you Same know, here. there wasn't... <laughs> There wasn't uh, too much to complain about in the early years, but during that time, I think that's kind of where, you know, my my story and my journey began to get to where I am. So um, it was very interesting just to kind of see how different things played out. But, um, you know, I'm here now with my organization and uh, that's what we're here to talk about. Okay, good (laughs) stuff. Um, Back to the podcast, I wanted to point out that we often reflect our guests' personal stories of coming into their own and coming to know themselves and love themselves, basically acquiring self-acceptance. So that will be a key point within this story. And I can personally say I remember that it moment when in the words of Rep. Maxine Waters, I reclaimed my time and I took back the love and confidence that society tried to whip away from me because we are enough. So, Rachel, let's get into your story. Yeah, it's perfect that you said that, um, remembering that it moment, because I think at this time of my life, this was my it moment. Um, you know, after, like I said before, my dad, um, he accepted his calling to the ministry and, you know, uh, maybe a year or so after that, my parents separated due due to some you know differences that they 
saw or, you know, had between um, the position we now took at the church. So, um, you know, like I said, it was supposed to be a happy time. And, you know, my mom, she wasn't really ready for that. And, you know, sometimes things happen in life and it just causes people to kind of shift and change, you know, what they want. Um, So, you know, just going through high school, you know, being a product of divorce and eventually going to college, that you really don't know at 14 how to um, deal with that. There's not a lot of people to talk to. There's not a lot of people that take you or your emotions seriously. So you have to find different outlets. And, you know, my outlet was, you know, just to be quite frank, was talking to, you know, different guys who showed that they cared because at the time I wasn't really getting that, you know, from my parents, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really getting that at home or from my family. Cause like I said, at the time, you know, that all this started happening, I was 14. So, um, between the ages of 14 and I would probably say 19, it was just me kind of searching for what I wasn't getting somebody to listen to me, somebody to, uh, you know, care for me, or what I thought was caring for me. So when I came to LSU, you know, I met a guy and he was on the football team. And, you know, I quote unquote fell in love super fast. We all do. We right. All do. <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love super fast. And, you know, I, I became really attached. And it got to a point to where, you know, there were other girls. And I mean, you know, this these are LSU football players. So who was I to think, you know, that mm-hmm. I was really in love and that I was the only one, you know. But I um, I found out, you know, that he was dating other women and, you know, doing that kind of thing. And because I was so dependent on his attention, dependent on his affection, I kind of let it slide. Like, I kind of just, you know, took on that quote-unquote main chick mentality. And it's like, you know, I'm the one he really wants. Mm-hmm. And for that went on, you know, on and off for for about three or so years. So in that time frame, it was really just like trying to figure out or trying to, you know, matric- matriculate, excuse me, through life, being in this situation and being hungry or thirsty or just, you know, desiring for this attention. And so it came to me you know, my it moment in that relationship was just, you know, I was having a conversation and, you know, I was just kind of reflecting on the different things that I had been through with this guy. And, you know, I was just like, this situation isn't for me, you know? So finally I had to pull the plug, but I didn't know how to operate without that attention. Like I didn't know how to operate without that affection. So that started a cycle of jumping from one bad relationship to another bad relationship to another bad relationship, dealing with the same thing, you know, there being other women and me being okay with it just because I desired that attention, attention and affection. And going into that, um, you know, mostly within society, you know, the main chick, the side chick, mm-hmm. just that whole synopsis is just really it's really highlighted within this generation. Sometimes right. people gloat over being the side chick. Some right. feel as though, you know, we can let different men step over us because we're quote unquote the main chick. But looking at it and stepping back and observing when you are placed in that situation, because 
me personally as a woman, I might have judged someone within right, a situation. Right. And so how did you feel when you're in this situation? And at some point, you know, you really, it sounds as though you felt trapped because at the end of the day, when you began it, you didn't know of other people. Right. Then right. time progresses and you find this out and you kind of feel as though you're trapped or as though you have settled, but mm-hmm. It was no way out of it. Right. Or at least at the time, I wasn't in a mind frame to see that there was a way out because I was desiring that attention and that affection. And I think a lot of times we as women, we look at other situations or, you know, other scenarios that other women are in. And it's easy to say, oh, that would never be me. I would never do that. Like, girl, there's like you doing what with who? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and I was one of those people, you know, even in the midst of my mess, I was still looking at other people's situation like, girl, you I'm doing I'm doing better than you. Right. And, you know, you would look at other people's situation from the outside looking in and you will try to I would try to justify my situation and make it seem like, oh, well, my situation isn't that bad. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm okay. But you never really know what you would do in that situation until you find yourself in the right. same situation. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, just going off of that, we as women should not be so quick to judge, but be quicker to understand. Right. And you also have to consider the mind, the frame of mind that somebody might be in or the emotional headspace or, you know, just how they're feeling in general. Because even at that point in time, I can truly say that God was absent, not because of him but because of me Mm -hmm. you know I pulled away because I was in the middle of some mess and you know I was not functioning as I should be I wasn't thinking right so it's really important to always you know it sounds cliche but you really always have to keep God at the center of your life because if you don't you you can fall out you know you can just end up somewhere you don't even need to be and that's where I found myself many times until you know I woke up one day and was like this can't be me anymore like I I really have to kind of step outside of this situation and get my life back get get me back under control because I was losing it like being okay in a situation where you know there are other women present and you know just continuing in that it's just you know I, I owed myself better. I knew I deserved better, but I just didn't know how to get it. And how did you, what was your outlet within this situation? Because as you previously mentioned, back home, you couldn't really go to your parents because mm-hmm. whatever took place back home, it wasn't like a good enough space or environment for you. Right. And it kind of, I guess, carried on yeah. up until that point when you were in college. Right. It. I mean, it carried on through college and, and a little bit after college. Um, it was maybe a couple of years after I graduated and I was having a conversation with um, this guy and, you know, he's he's still a part of my life and, you know, we've, we've grown in our relationship, but there was one point in time to where I asked him, you know, am I enough for you? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, after the words left, oh, well, we were texting, but <laughs> after, yeah. you know, I pressed send on the message, you know, I, f- I truly feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and was like, why are you asking him if you're, you're enough? enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you should already know that within yourself. And that was January of 2016. And um, that's when God gave me my organization, I Am Enough because of that conversation, like I really had to step back and think about like, why am I asking this man 
if I'm enough. Like you shouldn't seek, you know, validation from other, other people, people right. because other people didn't create you. God mm-hmm. created you. So he's the only one that knows exactly who you are. He knows every single hair on your head. So for you to even question or look for validation in somebody else, now looking back on it, it's crazy to me that yeah. I that I asked that person that question. And, you know, we've even had that conversation. And even when, you know, we when I asked him that, he in, re- in return asked me, why are you asking me that? Wow. So, you know, that was especially like a, a it was because it it really, that was really my it moment. And, um, after that is when I started going to therapy too, because I needed to figure out like, okay, not only do I need to know why I feel like I have to seek validation in others, but I need to know, you know, what has transpired in my life and what are the effects from those things that have me, you know, in the space that I am. Like, why am I operating the way that I am? So I went to therapy for about three or four months, and I really learned a lot in therapy. My therapist, she taught me how to think. Um, she th- she taught me how to, for one, think and think positively and, you know, reject negative thoughts and understand my thoughts. Yeah. So I think a lot of times we as women – we put ourselves down in our in, in our, our mind, mind. Yeah. with our thoughts mm-hmm. before it even becomes vocal or before we even say anything or before somebody says anything to us. Um, and so that was really vital for me because now with this organization, you know, I know as it continues to grow, there's going to be criticism, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not only me telling my story but this organization is also very therapeutic for me because Mm -hmm. it challenges me every day I get up to tell myself I'm enough right and I'm I'm really happy also that you mentioned you going to therapy because Mm -hmm. we know within the black community going to therapy or seeking help out of any situation sometimes is not really I guess it's, it's frowned upon because we're supposed to be strong black women and we don't need anyone else. But it is important to have some type of outlet and someone to listen and to it's important to reprogram your thinking. Right. Because I'm really big on reprogramming your thinking and not putting on those labels that other people have told us exactly. who we are. Exactly. We have to know who we are. And even with being religious or spiritual, however you want to phrase it, you know, being a believer, sometimes, you know, it's like, even well, I told him, when I told my dad that I was going to therapy, he was like, well, why don't you just go, you and know, talk to it. a pastor? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just go pray about it? Or, you know, why can't you talk to me? Or, you know, go to spiritual counseling and, you know, of course, God is great, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I sometimes think, you know, he put people in these professions right. on earth for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have cancer, God forbid, you know, you're not just going to sit at home and pray about it. You're going to go, go see to a doctor, doctor. Right. you know. So I think that that stigma in the black community that if you go to therapy, you're crazy or, you know, you it's really something wrong. Like, we have to get out of that because mental health is real, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and I being, you know, where I was in life and knowing, and I felt like that was my rock bottom. So knowing that I needed God in that time in my life, I prayed and I asked him, you know, 
to lead me to a therapist that had a Christian background. I knew I wanted the therapist to be a woman, a black woman, mm-hmm. not too young, but not too old that to where, you know, they, they, they would be able to understand me as a, at the time, I think I was 24 year old, um, you know, what I was going through and just be able to still relate, but also be mature enough and have enough wisdom to guide me in the things that, you know, I need to, in the direction that I needed to go. And I also prayed and I asked God to make what she was telling me in therapy relate to what I was learning in church. Wow. So mm-hmm. there were times where I would be sitting in church and I had just gone to therapy a few days before and something that my therapist said in our session, my pastor would say a version of what she said in church. Mm-hmm. So it, it it was consistent and it was confirmation for me knowing that God had answered my prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was huge for me and um, just in my in my mental health journey. Mm-hmm. So, what type of resources does your organization provide to young girls? So right now we are going to you know it's still very early and we're still kind of in the planning phases of a lot. But the basis of the organization is to provide resources for young women and not necessarily even just young women, you know, millennials, older women, um, you know, just to help them overcome whatever insecurities they may face, whether they be professional, financial, relational or physical. So um, there'll be a lot of I want to partner with people and do workshops to like fitness workshops and, Mm -hmm. you know, just to help improve self-image. Um, whether that be, you know, how you physically see yourself or, you know, even mentally what you think about yourself, like all of that kind of ties into everything, uh, learn, you know, nutrition, learn how to eat healthy, that kind of thing, because a lot of women, you know, our insecurities start with the out, with our, our yeah, outer our appearance, body. our mm-hmm. bodies, you know, we, and even living in this day and age with social media, it just seems like everybody has a gimmick, like a waist trainer or, you know, Mm -hmm. something that's just not permanent. Mm -hmm. So I would like to teach women how to take care of themselves physically, um, you know, what they eat, what they're putting in their body. Um, And then I think young girls, it's, you know, more so about what, how you dress, like what, what type of clothes you wear. And um, so right now my friends and I were actually planning to, for 2019 to do a prom dress giveaway and makeovers. And I have a lot of friends who are hairstylists and makeup artists. So I think that that type of event, I think it's like super cute for one, but I also think that, you know, providing those resources to people who may not be, you know, able to afford them necessarily is is huge. Um, as far as professional resources, resume building, you know, job fairs, like I'm really just thinking on a huge scale because I just want women out there to know that there's an organization out there that supports you. Like can help you in all different areas. In all different areas. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a time in my life where I didn't even think like I had enough money to do certain things that I wanted to do, wanted to do. But, you know, now I'm preparing to purchase my first home. So it's like, going from that place to where I am now without having people along the way to teach me how to budget my money and Mm -hmm. to help me repair my credit and different things like that, I wouldn't have been able to be in this place. So to be able to provide those resources on a 
on a larger scale, like my loan officer, we've already been talking about partnering to do credit seminars for free. Yeah. And she is very knowledgeable. Um, she used to work for uh, TransUnion, one of the credit bureaus. And, you know, she wants to provide these resources to different people, but she just doesn't have the platform. So me being able to partner provide with her uh-huh. and provide her, you know, with people who are really ready to make that next step is, is going to be truly amazing. So I'm excited about what's to come. Um, later on this year, I have a children's book that's coming out. Um, and it deals with, you know, very surface level issues. So like I said, appearance, because I think as young girls, as adolescents, the first thing you see is like, oh, I don't look like that person. Mm-hmm. Like my skin is darker than hers or my hair is straight. Her hair is curly, curly you mm-hmm. know, so uh, that's that's going to be the first thing. in society makes you focus on comparison as well. Right. Because I've battled those same issues growing yeah. up as an adolescent. So even that's in the really black community, colorism definitely. is, is mm-hmm. definitely um, even now still an issue. Right. Um, and the book is actually going to be uh, dedicated to my niece. Her name's Aria. She just turned five, and she has Barter's syndrome, which is a very rare kidney disease. Mm-hmm. And so it causes her hair not to grow as much. And uh, she has an older sister and who has beautiful long hair. Mm-hmm. But at five years old, she yeah. already knows the difference. Like, I don't look like my sister. sister. Mm-hmm. And it makes her feel like, oh, I'm not as pretty or, you know, I'm not as good as her or even her, you know, even my, my other niece, um, she has like thick, beautiful, curly hair. And Mm -hmm. so these are people, she's with her cousins all the time. And it's, it's, it's amazing, but still at the same time, kind of disheartening how at five years old, you already know Know that, right? Like you already feel some type of way about the fact that you don't have as much hair as another person. So mm-hmm. I'm dedicating the book to her because I just want her to know, like, regardless of your health, you are still beautiful. And you are still enough. You are you yeah. are enough. Like, that illnesses mm-hmm. and, and things like that, they, they won't ever be able to stop her from doing whatever it is that she that wants to do to in do. life. Mm-hmm. So I just, I want her to know that. So that's why I'm dedicating my book to her. Yeah, and, and I think it's also... Throughout you um, telling your story, it's safe to say that when you already are down, the only way you can look is up. So all of this positivity that you're bringing to the community, these ideas and Mm -hmm. all of that, it probably would not have even been acquired if you didn't hit that low point. Right. And T.D. Jakes actually just preached a sermon about that. And as I was preparing to come here, I actually saw the video again on Instagram And he was basically talking about things that you learn in captivity lend themselves to you in your freedom. Mm -hmm. So what you learn from your affliction basically helps you once you're free and once you're liberated, it helps you to push forward. So I definitely agree with the fact that, you know, when you're down or when, you know, you're going through, you have to be positive and and the things that people might tell you or, you know, do to you while you're down, it it only makes you stronger. And and I always say that when I hit rock bottom, Jesus was the rock at the bottom. So, you know, and he pulled me through. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's amazing to be on the other side of it. And, you know, when you go through, you have to remember that 
it's exactly what you know it says you're going through it's not permanent you know you're not going to be stuck in that situation forever so even though it may not feel good I had to take what was going on around me and just kind of absorb all of that and now I'm able to share you know what I learned and how I felt and that's what I believe I'm called to do right so in one last question I just want to ask you is you feel that it's very important, of course, to share your testimony, to give uh, each other, other people hope and empowerment, encouragement. But I know at one point it might have been, um, I guess you were afraid. I was embarrassed. Right. I was, I was shamed. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I, it was one point in time where I didn't even want to tell my friends about it or my family because it was like, how can you be in a situation, you know, where you're dating a guy and, you know, you're not the only woman in the relationship or, you know, I, I've gone through, you know, I've, I've had health issues. I, you know, I've gone through a miscarriage and different things like that. So it's just like to be in those situations is very, can be very shameful. It can be very embarrassing because people, like I said before, are very quick to judge situations that they've never been in before. So dealing with that type of criticism is not always easy. Um, And so you really have to have people around you that are true friends, people that you can really trust, or a therapist because right. you know my therapist one of the reasons why I wanted to go was I needed to talk to somebody who didn't know me who didn't know the people I was discussing right who could give me a true unbiased opinion or unbiased advice about what I was dealing with mm-hmm. and it was so refreshing to get honest you know feedback because a lot of times when you tell people things, the first thing they say is, girl, if I were you, I would, but right. you're not me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I need you to, I need you to listen. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think um, it was very important for me to have people around me that I could trust, people who would not just kind of console me, but do it, but be honest with me. Like, mm-hmm. let me know where I'm messing up at and but then let me fix it you know what I'm saying a lot of times you know you might have people or friends that are like okay girl you know we gonna do this together I'm gonna pick you up I'm gonna walk with you I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and then when you slip and fall or you might kind of you're not moving fast enough or you know you see it all the time where it's like oh yeah girl I'm done with him and then two weeks later you You right back back with him (laughs) so you have to have people that's gonna be with you throughout that entire process because letting go is very hard for some people Mm -hmm. especially when you're so deep in a situation so be having patient people around you is it's also very, very important. important. Yeah, and I have to say too, within your story, um, you know, the as you mentioned, to have that solid ground, but also putting your feelings and your embarrassment aside mm-hmm. because you felt a greater need to share your testimony with other women. Absolutely, so, yeah. and you know, talking about miscarriages and talking about divorce, like with my parents, and you know, which is. You know, my cousins, a lot of us are products of divorce. So Mm -hmm. that is almost seeming to be a generational curse in my family, which will be no more in Jesus' name. Right. But, you know, know, talking about those things is is not always easy. 
because especially when it's something on your family like divorce and you know and and going from one extreme to the to the total opposite end of the spectrum is you know it's just not it's not easy it's not something that everybody is willing to do but when you know your purpose and when you know the calling that you know god has on your life you kind of have to put all of that aside like you have to put your flesh aside and just kind of say okay you know what god whatever it is you want me to do i'm gonna do it because he's not calling you to do it you know just just because Mm -hmm. like what i had to realize is that my my things that happened to me in my life and you know my testimony happened for a reason it's it's for me to be able to look back and reach back and pull somebody through the same things that I went through. Right. So I I truly feel like, you know, that's my calling and that's what God has put me on this earth to do. And even now, you know, I'm only 26. So I know my life is really kind of just beginning. So I know there's more to come. Um, And although, you know, it's not always a good thing to just be so quick to tell everything, you know, because you people are can be manipulative. They can, you know, use you and use the things that you tell them um, against you, kind of take your kindness for weakness. Uh, but, you know, when you have people, solid people around you and you're, you're free to tell your story, it can be very liberating. And then watching, you know, other people or listening to other people be touched by my story it just confirms, you know, yeah, what, confirms what God, your purpose. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. So thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for sharing your story and for the listeners. I think that it's, it is important for you all to know that you are enough and that it really takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes time. It takes self-reflection. It mm-hmm. takes the help of others. It takes you being surrounded by a solid group of people and individuals. And if you don't have that right now, if you don't really know right now what your purpose is or what you are going through, what's the reason for it happening the main point is to not give up within whatever right. you're going through. Right. And and just to add to that, like I said before, God gave me this in January of 2016, but I just launched it in May of 2018. Right. And, you know, when you have an idea for a business or when you have, you know, just this, you know, million dollar idea that you're so passionate about and it's like, okay, I'm ready to do it now. I'm ready to do it now. Like today, like, you mm-hmm. know, let's get it started. And, you know, I registered my company in in August of 2016, had a logo and everything. And then it just sat there. Yeah. And one of the reasons why it just sat there was because, you know, it wasn't my time. It wasn't my season to to give birth to that. Um, And then I also, well, I I believe that because I know God had to take me through some things before I was able to get to this point. And not only that, but I prayed and I asked God, you know, whatever I needed to go through in order to relate to the people that he wanted me to touch, take me through it. And there were times to where I was like, Lord, why did I pray that prayer? But mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was very necessary because, you know, anytime you go see a therapist or if you go to a life coach or just even when you're talking to your friends, you know, and they give you advice, you want to know, well, what makes you credible to tell me what I need to do with right. my life? Mm-hmm. So I was, I asked God for credibility and, and I truly believe that's what he gave me. And I think that he's going to continue to give me that. Um, and not just even for, 
you know, not for myself, but just for, for other others. people. Yeah. So when they hear my story and they hear that some of the things that I've gone through, they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, she might know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's um, that. And even with my children's book, you know, I, I hit my growth spurt before a lot of other people in elementary and middle school. So I was super tall. And mm-hmm. there's a character in my book who's super tall, super skinny. And, you know, that was... I was teased about that, you know, and just having to deal with those experiences. I know what it's like. Yeah. So to kind of low key, not really be bullied, but at the same time, kind of be bullied. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I don't ever want, you know, young girls or like my nieces and my little cousins to ever, ever have to deal with that. And I think if we can instill values in our young girls at, at that age, then their years after that, their teenage years will probably be a lot easier. I know mine would have been <laughs> if I if I would have had that at that age. So. And it's important for them to know, too, even at that age, that they're not alone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Having that support because, you know, that's where it all started for me. Feeling like I didn't have anybody or feeling like, you know, nobody would listen to me. I'm just a 14-year-old kid. What do I know? Mm-hmm. You know? But... I feel like children's emotions are very real and that's a those are very honest ages and they know how they feel. They right. just need somebody to listen to them and that's what I want to do through my organization. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for so having much me. for uh, <laughs> joining me this morning and also thank you and just for I'm excited that we're sharing like the same mm-hmm. type of purpose and mm-hmm. creating different platforms, not just based on what we want to share, but giving that opportunity for other individuals because it's really important to have that, especially within the black community right. and black women. And if you feel comfortable to share, I think other women will eventually become comfortable to share their stories because they see that it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to let other people know what you're going through. Because when you like when you have genuine people out there like you and I that want to help and that want to listen, you don't have to worry about being judged. You don't have to worry about being feeling shameful or anything like that. Yeah. Because it's all it's all genuine, authentic love, right? So in closing, guys, always remember that your story is not solely for you. It's meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing similar hurdles. We don't have to be ashamed and we definitely don't have to be afraid to share. You are a victor. You are a winner. You will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles do not last always. You are brilliant. You are beautiful. You are intelligent. You are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient. And if you did get encouraged in some type of way or just empowered, I'm asking you to please share, tell a friend to tell a friend, and empower others who are listening. And we out.